Hello and welcome to another episode of Farm to Table Podcast KE. On this episode, we are doing something slightly different. So basically, it's a new segment that I want to introduce to this podcast that we review a book or an article or a project that's currently going on. Because in the course of doing this podcast, I come across this resources and this information and i always think this would be great to share on the podcast so yeah basically it's a review segment and to start us off we will be reviewing a book from the barefoot guide collection titled my food is african healthy soils safe food and diverse diets and this book is produced by the alliance for food sovereignty in africa and it's a book that basically takes us on a journey through African farms, gardens, markets, and kitchens to learn about our unique, delicious, and healthy foods and how the intersection of our culture and food throughout the continent was able to change from pre-colonial times to through the colonial times and up to now. It presents an intersection of how farming was done, how food traveled to the local markets, to the kitchens throughout Africa. And it emphasizes how it emphasizes the intersection between our culture, our healthy foods and our unique and delicious diets. And um, this book is aimed at celebrating our food culture and it also shows how over time we've changed to a more modern way of doing things and how some of those modern things were ill-informed and have managed to you know erode especially our diversity and our healthy diets and taken us back to what we are now currently experiencing which is you know few crops that are consumed worldwide and we've sort of lost touch with our traditional foods and our culture this book is meant to celebrate our food culture as africans and also to really take us back to the drawing board and show us that our diversity of food and the crops that we consumed was actually okay as opposed to what has now become of our diets and our culture so the book is set in a classroom in Makerere University. So a group of students from all over the continent have come together for their class. And the way that they are taught is by being sent out to do assignments and find out different information from different people about the topics that they discuss. And they discuss several topics such as how to eat healthy every day, what are the traditional foods associated with the African continent, um, biofortification, etc. There are several topics that they cover. Another thing that I would like to say at this point is that there are several words and themes that repeat throughout the book. And this theme revolves around agroecology 
permaculture, organic agriculture, biodynamic farming, and natural farming. And terms such as organic farming, agroforestry, permaculture, biodynamic farming, and natural farming are all a part of agroecology. And they refer to any practice that contributes to healthy to healthy landscapes and enable access to healthy foods and diets so agroecology if if we were to define the term agroecology it is a social movement that is spreading fast across our continent and across the world and it recognizes the value of indigenous knowledge as we've said severally on this podcast indigenous people have a lot of knowledge that they have utilized throughout their lives generations over and a lot of this knowledge has been sort of abandoned because of you know modern techniques and modern science but they are still very valuable practices and so agroecology really focuses on indigenous knowledge and so as a movement it recognizes the value of modern science because you know science is quite valuable to us as human beings and it's more and it's more holistic in addition to that um agroecology encourages healthy climate resilient landscapes and at the same time it also emphasizes that all people should have access to safe healthy and diverse foods that lead to healthy people and healthy populations more than that it seeks to empower people as a as a significant part of changing our food systems and participating in policies in order to access healthy food for everyone as we go on with this episode which is um a two-part episode um we will cover topic after topic and the first topic is relishing our roots and celebrating the traditional foods of africa so the thing that struck me about this episode was how they spoke about the difference between our diets in africa and our diets and the diets that are consumed in the western world so america europe and especially in the older generations so the older generations we didn't really see much of the current lifestyle diseases that we see now with you know a lot of people suffering from diabetes cancer high blood pressure these kinds of diseases and the reason why is because traditionally using traditional knowledge our african ancestors they they consumed a very diverse set of foods that constituted their diets so there were vegetables indigenous vegetables um they knew how to grow the food that was good for them and when you were sick you there was almost always a plant remedy that you would be given when you compare that to the western world for example their diets are very different from us so they consume a lot of processed foods they consume a lot of fried foods 
and because of that reason there are so many diseases that are they are more predisposed to in comparison to us as african people at least back then but now because our diets have sort of become the same throughout the world we are seeing that even african people are suffering now from these lifestyle diseases and so this raises the question why did we abandon our old you know traditional foods for modern foods so older generations of people had developed this knowledge over centuries through their own experiences and they passed it down from one generation to another and so for example um most communities like the kikuyu community for example in kenya they before colonization grew a wide variety of crops so they grew sorghum they grew pearl and finger millet they had lots of legumes cassava sweet potato yams um green vegetables such as amaranth blackjack and black nightshade they also had chicken sheep goats and cattle and as i said they also incorporated herbs into their diets which served as medicines and that served them because back then there were no hospitals and at the same time they didn't suffer from the common diseases that we are seeing today and especially the lifestyle diseases and they also had developed practices on how to ensure that they they produced the best food so for example they would select seeds while the crop was in the field so that they could identify you know the best quality plants the ones that matured faster the ones that were resistant to pests and diseases and this is very similar to what is done in plant breeding today so as you can see like science is not so far from indigenous knowledge it just was less structured but as the world has become more and more modern and globalization has taken place we've really forgotten about the value of indigenous knowledge and that's why a lot of issues that affect farming today such as um monocropping those were not those were not practices that were common to us as african people and so it's important to look back at what was the value of the indigenous knowledge that was utilized back then throughout this book the common theme will be how we as a people have really abandoned some of our important practices that we had and taken up more modern ones that have done a disservice to us and have led to the current problems that we experience in our food systems today and the first of that is the chemical usage um so initially farming was done without utilizing pesticides like chemical pesticides so in in the past inorganic chemicals were used as pesticides even during the ancient times and chemicals such as copper which are good for bacterial diseases sulfur mercury salts etc were used in very limited scales to control pests however um with the discovery of production of synthetic chemicals 
large-scale use of pesticides then spread throughout the world and this was driven by the need to control disease transmitting insects in the tropics and chemicals such as DDT were created and interestingly the beginning of the world war was the major driver of the development of pesticides because during world war one they used gas chambers and so at the end of world war ii it became very clear that hunger and food production were the major drivers of conflict and politicians from the industrialized world felt that the best way to satisfy nutritional needs of the entire planet was to come up with research and studies to develop pesticides so this was very this was very immediate success because chemicals can easily be produced in the lab and they were also very cheap and they were effective in small quantities easy to apply and they were very toxic to pests so the common pests that were being experienced at the time so and it was also very profitable so for those in power who are driven by you know profits in a capitalistic world it, it appeared to be a win win situation and so pesticides spread across the world and pesticides factories were created while these pesticides were very effective against pest control what was not anticipated was the global crisis of unsafe farming and unsafe food that followed so when you use some of these pesticides they are retained as residue in our food crops which results in harmful chemicals getting into human bodies so for example there's a study that was done that found that between 2006 and 2018 in 141 countries 385 million cases of unintentional acute pesticide poisoning occur every year worldwide among farming populations and among these 11,000 fatalities occurred with there being an estimated 860 million farmers on earth this means that about 44 percent of them are poisoned by pesticides every year and most of these cases are found to be in southern asia southeast asia and east africa so apart from killing and harming human health pesticides are also dangerous to the ecosystem because they harm beneficial insects such as bees and bees are very crucial insects to our food systems because they pollinate food and through pollination we are able to get seeds and we are able to propagate food crops year in year out and apart from that apart from that pesticides also get into water and affect you know marine life they get into air and they form acid rain so pesticides are quite harmful and especially with improper use of pesticides and having said that about um, chemical pesticides what then 
is the solution because pests still contribute to loss of yields and loss of food to farmers. So agroecology suggests several measures to help control pests without damaging the natural ecosystem. For example, there are preventive measures that include things like weeding because weeds act as hiding spots for pests and also act as vectors for plant diseases. So ensure that you do proper weeding of your crops to keep your field clean and prevent pests from having breeding grounds. Another one is biological control. So biological control uses um, natural enemies of pests and there are several such technologies that have been developed all over the that are easily accessible another one would be use of pest and disease resistant seeds these have been developed through research and can also be easily accessible so the situation with um, chemical pesticides is very similar to what has been observed when it comes to fertilizer application especially inorganic fertilizers so inorganic fertilizers are easily produced through through chemical reactions and they therefore act as a quick fix method to increase the soil fertility and provide healthy plants however in the long run most inorganic fertilizers tend to be harmful to the soil because they cause the soil to become either too acidic or too basic and they also destroy the natural soil and they also upset the natural soil ecosystem because organisms that live within the soil that are beneficial to plants may be destroyed when you apply chemical fertilizers so for example an example of how chemical fertilizers harm the ecosystem is nitrogen fertilizers for example when they get into water when the rain washes it out of the soil it gets into streams and rivers and drinking water so once the nitrogen accumulates in into these water bodies it makes the soil more acidic and less able to hold water for plants so in the long run it's really damaging to your soil before chemical fertilizers became so widespread indigenous knowledge was practiced by farmers and they used different methods to ensure that their soils stayed productive season after season so for example they used following um so they'd let the soil rest for several years and they would allow for the soil to regenerate naturally they would also add manure and compost with nitrogen and other elements which was also very beneficial for the soil bacteria and fungi so low to no tillage approaches were mostly utilized one one example of beneficial bacteria to plants is um, the nitrogen fixing bacteria which takes nitrogen from the air and makes it available to plants through the roots so for example legume crops such as peas and beans and cowpeas 
are known to help fix nitrogen into the soil and replenish it with nitrogen. So for example, a practice such as um, intercropping where you plant a legume crop such as beans with maize is known to be very, very beneficial because the, the beans help to fix nitrogen in the soil, which is very necessary for the maize to grow. This is just an example of some of the ways in which indigenous people ensured that they were able to produce food without using harmful substances that depleted their soils. With all that being said, it raises the question then, how then can we still grow healthy food for ourselves without the utilization of these modern technologies that have become so prominent? And agroecology offers several solutions to this. There are several low maintenance and sustainable approaches that have been that can be used to grow healthy foods and still be able to sustainably maintain land. One important thing that goes into this would be taking care of your soil and taking care of your soil involves several techniques for example adding compost to your garden so compost is good as it is slowly decays and releases nutrients into your into your soil and at the same time it also nurtures the beneficial soil microbes um, another way is to keep your soil as moist as possible because the beneficial soil microbes require moisture to grow and this can be ensured by mulching and having cover crops throughout the land then avoid much disturbance to your soil so for example um, do low tillage practices so in order to avoid the damage that is caused by chemicals such as you know chemical pesticides chemical fertilizers etc people can utilize natural farming and natural farming can be summed up into several principles and some of them we've already mentioned the first one being cover cropping so ensure that your soil is covered for as long as possible so provide ground cover to your crop to your soil and this will prevent damage to your soil from raindrops and it will also ensure that once it rains the water infiltrates better into the soil and to reach your plant's roots and this will also ensure that your beneficial plant plant and soil microbes are well maintained and are able to thrive in the soil so the second one is crop diversity so including trees so including trees that's agroforestry so it's recommended that you include at least 8 to 12 species in one cropping area and i understand that 8 to 12 is a bit high but in traditional farming there was a lot of diversity before we've turned to monocropping so ensuring that you have multiple crops attracts different varieties of microbes and you can get more diversity including of your diets so if you're planting food crops it means that if you have eight to 12 crops you have 12 different 
food items. Then the second one is no tillage, so reduce reduce the the soil disturbance to a minimum, ideally not at all. So once you plow the soil, it releases the sequestered carbon that is in the soil and it goes into the air for oxidation. It also destroys the structure of the soil, which is not beneficial to maintaining the soil ecosystem. The other one would be to integrate livestock or animals as part of your farming system, as with, um, for example, ruminants such as cattle, because first of all, they produce fresh manure to the soil and as well grasslands are good because they they have minimum soil disturbance and therefore they they allow the soil to recover the the another one would be to use biostimulants and biostimulants are good for the soil and plants as they bring back life so once you inoculate them into the soil they assist the soil to become healthy which is also good for your crop production another one would be to add organic matter which is good because it add it adds nutrients to your soil and it does so slowly so it's a more sustainable way of applying nutrients to your soil another one would be to address pest management using non-poisonous methods so non-chemical methods so all these methods are very useful for natural farming and they ensure that you're able to first of all produce enough food for yourself and secondly really take care of your soil and your entire ecosystem of farming that concludes the first part of our review of the book and on this part we've covered the farming part of things and tune in to part two where we'll cover primarily the diets so we'll speak about how have our diets changed what were our diets before and how can we find a way to incorporate the modern techniques which are very beneficial and science and scientific discoveries which are also very beneficial with our indigenous knowledge and our traditional knowledge to ensure that our food systems are more sustainable. And as usual, if you would like to be a future guest of the podcast, or if you would like a more personalized conversation, feel free to reach out to me at farmtotablepod at gmail.com or on social media at farmtotablepodcastke on Instagram or Farm to Table podcast on Twitter. Till next time.